congregation, the text for this morning's sermon is found in the passage we read from, and our focus will be on the verses 11 through 32. And after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song, let us sing from Psalm 107 and stanzas 1 and 2. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the parable of the prodigal son. This has to be one of the most famous parables in scripture. Actually, it is better called the parable of the father and his two sons. So the opening line of this parable tells us. As this parable is about our father's amazing love for us and our response. And so, yes, the Lord Jesus, with this parable, portrays his love for God's children, for those who are openly wayward, and those who thought themselves quite righteous. And yes, using this parable, then our Lord Jesus calls us all to repentance. For he does not come to save the righteous, but sinners. And so with both sons, Jesus spoke to all of God's people, to those who were more like the tax collectors and sinners and those, and those who were more like the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And so as we listen to Jesus' parable, we all have to look in the mirror and say at a certain time, yes, that's me too. Yes, we all need to repent from our sinful ways. Yes, each day again we need to turn back to our Lord God in love, And what great joy there is, is when those who turn away, who are lost in one way or another, come back to the Father in love. And yes, when we respond in true love to our God and Father, we will also do so to those around us. Then we will rejoice also about the coming home of those around us who were lost. We will not reject them. I live in joyful communion with them and with God. And it cannot be any other way. And so God's word comes to us this morning summarized under this theme. Our Father, who has great love for us, seeks a loving response from us. And we'll pay attention first to the younger son and the loving father, and then to the older son and the loving father. I repeat, our Father, who has great love for us, seeks a a loving response from us. We'll pay attention first to the younger son and then to the older son. Now what is it that led Jesus to tell the parable of the father and the lost sons? Or for that matter, the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep? Well, beloved, the opening verse of of Luke 15 tells us Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now we might say, well, isn't that great? For Jesus did not come to save the righteous, but he came to save sinners, to save the lost. But beloved, not everyone understood the good purpose of Jesus' ministry here on earth. For there were the Pharisees and and the teachers of the law who were muttering, who were complaining, this man, this Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Yes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, those so-called 
outstanding members of the congregation, the most righteous and pious of Israel, those who thought they were cut above the rest of God's people, as they had a real problem with, with Jesus associating with tax collectors and sinners, oh, they themselves would never do anything like this. Instead, they were rather quick to write off tax collectors and sinners. As far as they were concerned, these types were lost causes, no hopers, deadbeats. Sure, there was forgiveness of sins for sinners, but these types had a long way to go before they deserved forgiveness. And as far as the scribes and the Pharisees were concerned, they would simply not meet the standards for forgiveness for holiness. And so he didn't want too much to do with them. And then in that way, yes, the scribes and the Pharisees were separatists. They, they wouldn't associate with those who were not quite as holy as them. Even among God's people, they, they created separation. You could say too, not too many of God's people were reformed enough for them. And so they were not joyful. No, rather they were complaining about the, what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing here. He was accepting tax collectors and sinners. He was even dining with them. And as far as they were concerned, the preacher, the teacher, Jesus, was not quite righteous enough also for them. Really, why should anyone listen to Jesus when you consider who he keeps for company? And beloved, in response to their complaining, their muttering, Jesus then speaks in parables. First he tells the parable about the sheep and, and the shepherd about the one sheep leaving the 99. And of the shepherd going after this lost sheep and finding him and joyfully putting him on his shoulders and going home with him. And then he tells the parable of the coin and the woman about that, that one coin and a collection of ten being lost. And then the woman sweeping the house and searching carefully and finding it and then calling her neighbors and friends together and say, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And yes, with both of these short parables, Jesus concludes and there is great joy in heaven over the one sinner who comes to repentance. And then yes, Jesus comes to the last parable, the one of the father and the two sons. And here too, the Lord Jesus speaks about something or someone who is lost and who then comes back. Of one who died and then comes back to life. One who rejected the Father's love and then is embraced in love. Giving great reason for joy, for celebration. And so the story begins, the parable begins with, with the younger son asking his father, Give me my share of the estate, of the inheritance. Yes, this younger son was asking for his share of the assets of his father's estate. And his father wasn't poor. Rather, he was a wealthy, a wealthy nobleman who had quite the estate. You could say this father had it all. He had land, he had wealth, he had also, as a result, hired servants. He could even afford great feasts and fine clothes and expensive signet rings. Now, as the son and and in this case, the youngest one, he was entitled to a share of his father's great estate. And according to the rule of Deuteronomy 21, as the firstborn, the eldest son, was to receive a double portion. 
And in this case, the youngest son, the one asking, was then entitled to a third of, of his father's estate. But beloved, normally, normally, this younger son's request was, was simply unheard of. You divided the shares of the estate at the death of the father, not while he was still living. But this is what this younger son is doing. And so this younger son was treating his father as if he were dead. And in this way, the son showed himself to be truly offensive to his father, hateful of his father. It's with his request, this younger son wanted to sever the relationship with his loving father and go away on his own and do his own thing. And so, yes, he radically already here rejected his father's love and care and protection. He no longer wished to obey his father's will, no longer accept his father's good guidance. He didn't want to be tied down by his father's house rules. He wanted a cut. Loose from the way his father taught him to live. He wanted to get out from the restraints of living within the family home. And you notice then what the son asks. He doesn't ask for his inheritance. For with inheritance comes responsibility. Rather, the son asks for the wealth of the inheritance of the estate. He doesn't want the obligations which come with receiving part of the estate. Now he takes that wealth of the estate for granted, for he thinks, well, since I am the son of the father, don't I have rights to this wealth? Don't I have rights to this property? Am I not free to do what I want with all of And it really is mine. And so he demands the wealth of the estate. And not long after that, then the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country. He turns his wealth, you could say, into cash and can carry it in his pocket and off he goes. He turns his back on his father, on his family. He turns his back on fellowship with them all. He's out of here. He's on his own, free to go. You could say his slogan was, have money and we'll travel. And yes, the father lets his son go his own way. Talk about real love in, in granting his younger son's requests. Well, what usually would have happened was that the father would lose it. Come unglued. He would have driven his selfish son out in anger. But now here we have a loving father who grants his son's requests. Yes, for in his love he disciplines his children Although the way this son will go is painful, it will produce a, a harvest of righteousness. Now when you and I look in the mirror, is, that, is this not you and me at times? Yeah, we are children of our father. We belong to his household, younger and older alike. Is not church here the family home where, where we belong? And what love he has shown us here. What a great inheritance we have here. But don't we often take his inheritance, his great love for us for granted? How often don't we think we have the right to our, our father's loving care? His son's forgiveness. Spirit's indwelling presence. As if these incredible riches naturally belong to us. As though we're entitled to them. 
For we think, well, we are we're children of God the Father, are we not? We belong to his covenant of love, do we not? Don't we often take all of this for granted? Now back to the young man. He wanted to get on with his life. And so he leaves his father. He sets off for this distant country. As of his own choice, he's off to live among the Gentiles. He's off to live in the worlds. He wants his own way. He wants to do his own thing. And so you see, beloved, leaving home is more than just leaving a certain place. Leaving home means we deny that we belong to God and His family, the family of faith. How often does that happen among us? And some of us do this, literally. We leave here, we withdraw. Some are even excommunicated. So we leave the household of our loving God and Father. And still others, they don't leave here. They don't leave the church or here. But we don't live like we belong here at home. And even though we piously sit here and we listen, we don't take to heart what we hear. We don't live any different from the world around us. It's in this way we time and again reject the Father's love and and seek instead the sinful pleasures of this world. And, And so we become lost also in this world even though we still sit here. Oh yes, with the younger son, he he literally goes away and he becomes lost in this world. He gets caught up in licentious living. For in this distant country, in a world cut off from his father, what does he do? He he squanders his wealth in, in wild living. And after he spent everything, there's a severe famine in the country and he and began to be a neat. And so you see life spirals downhill. For this disobedient son, this lost son. You say he was a real wild child. It was party time for him. Everything had been taught at home. All his father's instructions seemed to have gone out of the window. Here the son squandered all the money he had taken with him. He blew it all to the wind. He enjoyed life in the fast lane. Life of wine, women and song. He lived, you could say, the life of sin. He literally lived it unsavingly, as it says here. He lived it with no regard to his eternal salvation. And as his approach to life leads to his downfall, he quickly comes into dire straits. Oh, sure, some of them, younger son's hard time is not of his own doing. Yeah, he spent all that he had and had nothing to show for it. But now there's another blow that comes, and that is a famine. And in this case, severe famine. And so his bad situation is made even worse. And his whole world, you could say, is collapsing. And with no money, no family, suffering in a distant land, this younger son is in deep trouble. Becomes very impoverished. There's nowhere to turn. This all is going to happen among us, beloved. We want to be free from our Heavenly Father. Free to do as we please. Free to do our own thing. Give me my space. Get out of my face. That's what we may think freedom is. To live how we want. To live the licentious life. To live like this younger son. We want to cut loose and have a bit of fun. For what's so bad about just letting loose once in a while? What's the big deal if we go bar hopping, smoke dope once in a while? Wild parties with our friends when parents or spouse are out. What's wrong with a little gambling? VLT in the bar. 
Come on, we have to live a little. Besides, who wants to be seen like a geek? By our friends. And yet our fair-weather friends desert us when we run into trouble. And yes, the money for booze and pot and gambling and porn does run out. And the body becomes enslaved in one way or another. And yes, suddenly the, the good life comes crashing down and everything is lost. And, and you're there all by yourself. It's all alone. Yes, the younger son was all alone there in the end. He had left his father and home behind. Then he had lost all his money, his fair-weather friends, all alone there in a faraway country in this world. And being in great need, then he begins to look for work. And what does this younger son do? He went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him in the field to feed pigs. Yes, this younger son, this this young Jewish nobleman hired himself out to the Gentile. Just like the tax collectors in Israel hired themselves out to the Romans to do their dirty work. And so the tax collectors were seen as traitors, as, as filthy sinners, as a scum of the earth. These were the ones that the scribes and the Pharisees despised. And it was these whom Jesus sat down and ate supper with. And now we have this young man hired himself out to Gentile, just like the tax collector. You see, he was losing all connection with his father, with his home, with his family. Now he was a, yes, a hired man. Strange that was. Here was the son of a rich landowner. He had once been truly free, and now he had become a servant to his new master, and then as a Jew, he received, you could say, the lowest job possible for him. He was sent to feed pigs, those unclean animals. How much lower he can go than that, even among the Gentiles. It was like his boss wanted to get rid of him. Gave him this job expecting that he wouldn't accept it, but he had to. He needed to eat. And what won't you do to, to have food? Because he's going hungry. In fact, his life is actually worse than the pigs he feeds. Because he longs to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one, no one gave him anything. Remember, there was a famine throughout the country, the whole country. And in those situations, famine, the pigs would only get what no one else wanted. And they got the pods, they got the husks of the carob tree. This is a really bitter plant. Seeds no one would eat unless, well, unless there was famine, there was nothing really else to eat. Or really, there was not enough in the, in the carob to keep someone alive. And so the people would eat the bean and the pods, the husk would be given to the pigs. And this young man, he doesn't receive any of the carob. He doesn't even receive any of the pods. He's nothing. No love is shown to him. You say life was out of the party for this young man. Lost everything. Food, finances, friends, and what he even needed most. His father, who had loved him, provided for him, cared for him. 
And at this point of despair, he comes to his senses. He begins to talk to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. As he compares himself, not to, not to the servants who were, were in the steady employ of his father. No, he compares himself to that temporary help. Hired men such as, as he was now. As those who were hired for the day. And those hired men on his father's farm, they did really well. His father's love and, and goodness had extended also to them. And he remembers that. And so he says to himself, I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. Yes, he knew. He had broken God, our father's commands. And then by doing so, he had grieved and also wronged his earthly father, and so what we have here is a true confession of sin, of guilt. There's no blaming God, no blaming his Father. No, he confesses that he is an unworthy sinner, and he wants to make amends. He's going to say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Is all he dared to ask for was to be employed as help on a day-to-day basis. And so he got up and he went home. And so you see this young man, he comes to repentance, to complete repentance. And he would trust that and his father would be merciful and loving to him, a wretched sinner. He would trust that his father would have a place for him among the hired men. For he wasn't, as far as he was concerned, worthy to be called the son. And so he longs for his father's home and he sets off them for home. Well, he's a long way off. His father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. As the heart of the father all this time had been for his lost son, for his dead son. In his love, he had never stopped to watch and wait for his return. That's why he saw him as soon as he came towards the town. And when he saw him coming towards him, he was filled with loving compassion. As only a father can have for a son. And then he ran towards him. This was most unusual. Older men in flowing robes normally do not run. Yet this father in great humility does run to his son like a humble servant. He picks up his robes and he runs out to meet his son who's come back. And he embraces him in his arms and he kisses him there on the edge of town. He accepts his son even before a word is uttered. And so the father, the father restores the relationship. And with that kiss, yes, the father symbolized that there is forgiveness for his son and it's for his son. And yes, the son is overwhelmed with his father's love. He can only offer the first part of what he planned to say. He can confess, yes, Father, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but beloved, in his great love, the Father accepts him back as son. His Father wouldn't hear of, of, of accepting him back as a hired servant. For, beloved, the truth is, he cannot be a hired hand and so earn his place in his father's home. He cannot by his own works 
bring about reconciliation with his father. He cannot make up to his father by no amount of hard work on his part. Rather, reconciliation here just comes from the loving father alone. In his great love, he reaches out to his lost son. And so the father receives his son back home with full privileges. For yes, the servants are told to clothe the son immediately, put a ring on his finger, and yes, sandals on his feet. Yes, the son is given the best clothes to wear. Gone are the filthy rags. He's now dressed in the clothes of his father. Yes, his father clothed him with clothing to show that all was right again. And received a ring showing, yes, symbolizing authority. So everyone knew that he was reinstated as a son. He also received sandals. Sandals, they were symbols of wealth. No longer was he barefoot and destitute like a slave, like a servant. Yes, in this way, the younger son was fully restored as a son. And then, yes, the father calls for celebration in honor of the son's return. They would slaughter the fatted calf. Yes, the fatted calf, that was the calf that was especially fed and kept ready for for such joyous occasions. This was the best and most expensive meat one would have in the yard. And so they would celebrate the great feast. And yes, the father explained the reason for celebration. As he said, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He's resurrected. He was lost. He was cut off. Never expected to be seen again. And he's found. He's brought back in the family. Indeed, he was found by the father there at the edge of town, lost and dead. Indeed, so the father celebrates and rejoices in the fact that reconciliation has been achieved between himself and his son, and also between the son and those living in the town and the communion of saints. And so we see here a father who humbles himself, who becomes a servant. As we have here a father who puts off his glory. For yes, he ran towards his son. Most unusual. And he hugged and he kissed him. And so we see that the father points to Jesus Christ himself. So we're not talking here of God the father of the Trinity, but God who became our father. We're talking here about the son. The son who came into this world, whom Isaiah the prophet said is, is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. Indeed, the father in the parable is God in Jesus Christ. And he is saying then to the scribes and the Pharisees who complain, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He's saying to them, yes, I do. Eat with tax collectors and sinners. I run down the road for them. When I see lost sons and daughters, I kiss them and I embrace them and I take them back home and I eat with them. For I am the father in this parable. Yes, what great love Jesus Christ shows for sinners. Also for us. For do we see ourselves as sinners? Or do we see ourselves as quite righteous? And that brings us to our second point. as the older son. Yes, what about the older son? Where is he? 
All this time the firstborn son was there at home with the father who was out there in the field working hard. And when he came near the house, he heard the music dancing. And when we think of this house, we, we're not to think of a house on a farm surrounded by fields. We're going to think of a house in the midst of own many other houses in a village, in a town. And all around the town then are all the fields. And so he walks back to his father's home there in the town. And what does he hear? Yes, he hears that a party's going on. A celebration going on. He doesn't know why there's a celebration. And he calls a young boy, one of those hanging around there in the street, and he says, what's going on? And then he gets the details. Your brother has come back home. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back. Safe and sound. Yes, the little brother is back. Yes, the little brother who, who lost everything, who blew it all, is back. The rotten little brother. Not going to celebrate. He didn't care that his little brother was back safe and sound. But he should have. In fact, he should have been there at home already. There in his father's house. For he has the oldest son. He had that responsibility being at the door of the house and, and welcoming the guests. He was to be helping his father. He was there to be serving, welcoming guests, making sure that they had enough to eat and drink. Yet, but here we have the older son not taking up his responsibility. He refuses to go in, for he's angry, he's mad. Sure, everything left in the house was legally his. And that butchered calf, too, was really his. It was all his, and then this little brother comes back. And he's reinstated his son with no punishment, no penalty at all. And this is too much for the older son. He would have no part of it. He would have no part in this feast. He would not go to a banquet for such a sinner, for such a loser. Now the father, he got to hear about the older son rather quickly. And so the father went out too to plead with him. Come in and join in this joyful celebration. The older son wouldn't hear of what the father was doing, welcoming sinners and eating with them. As that was the concern of the, of the scribes and the Pharisees. They too wouldn't hear of it. The Lord Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. Is this what love is? They, would, they wouldn't hear of it. This great love for sinners actually made them resentful and made them angry. And just listen to that older son rag out at his father. Listen to what he says. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a, a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. So he speaks in anger. To a master who he thinks has really been unjust towards him. As he says, I've been slaving for you. As he didn't do his work for his father with great joy and thankfulness. Now with this work he saw himself as slaving away, as earning his way with his father. Oh yes, the younger son, he came home also with this mentality of a slave. Hoping to earn his way. Now the older son, the older brother had the same idea even as he's in the father's house. 
He sees it as a matter of slaving away, of earning your father's blessings. And for all his slaving away, he should have, as he thought, earned the fatted calf which his brother received. Yes, where is my fatted calf for all the slaving away I did for you? You never even gave me a, a young goat that I could celebrate and party with my friends. He didn't see that, that, that fatted calf as an expression of the father's love for his, for his younger brother. He thought it showed the worth of his younger brother. Yes, he thought his father loved his worthless brother more than he loved him. But none of us are worthy. And sure, he said he never disobeyed his father's commands. Yet with this kind of attitude he had here, he had broken that command to love. There was no love here for his father or for his brother. Sure, the younger brother had been alienated, been disobedient while away from his father's house, but here was his older brother, and he too was alienated and disobedient in his heart while he was in his father's house. And yes, his own words condemn him. For he declares himself to be no part of this family. And that way, he's no better than his younger brother who took his share and went and blew it all off in a faraway country. Yes, his younger brother had been open in his rebellion. And his rebellion was in his heart. It was hidden. It was hypocritical. As he denied his relationship with his younger brother, refused to call him his brother, and says there to his father, this, this son of yours. And so speaking, he also denies his relationship with his father. In fact, he doesn't even say, my father. He can't bring himself to do that. And with this, this he withdraws. He removes himself from the households. His fellowship is not with his brother. It's not with his father. No, it's with his friends. His joy comes in celebrating with friends, not with the return of his lost brother. No, there's no joy in that for him. No joy in celebrating with family. No joy in knowing his father or his brother. And so the older brother of the older son is lost too. Though he lives in the households. He lives a life of being bitter and angry, of jealous. Being jealous and judgmental. And beloved, this also lives among us. At times... Living in the household of our Father, yet living lives not showing the fruit of the Spirit, but instead the twisted fruits of our sinful nature. Sure, there are those who are like the younger son, who by their actions show very clearly that they're lost. They leave the church, are on the fringe of the church, live like the world's, very obvious in the rebellion and being lost. But how many are like are like the older son. We can be so dutiful and hardworking and obedient and respectable. Outwardly, we can put on quite a good performance, but when confronted with joy, surprised by true joy in the Lord, then out comes all this pride and unkindness and selfishness and patience and bitterness. Sure, we live in the service of our Father, not because we truly love Him from the heart, but because we feel we have to, because of duty. Is that how it is? Really, then we can be strangers in, in the Father's house, where we're alienated from those around us here because we're so busy condemning them and judging them 
thinking ourselves better than them, more reformed than them, more righteous than them. For, well, we follow the rules. And beloved, the father responds also in love to the older son. He said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. And indeed, that is how it is with the father and the son. There's no separation between the father and him. They are to be one. For that's how it is between God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, his firstborn son. Yes, it was our Lord Jesus Christ who lived and served as the firstborn son, the truly older brother. He is the one who obeyed his father's commands, not out of duty, but but out of great love. He is the one who welcomes sinners like you and me to the feasts. Yes, he is the one who stands by the door and lets us in. He is the one who makes sure we have a seat at his table. He is the one who invites us all to the great feasts that celebrates the true repentance, the heartfelt repentance of all of us sinners. Yes, he is the one who welcomes sinners and sits with us. He is the one in whom the Father's love was shown to all his resentful children. He is the one who has shown us the way home through him. Now what about the eldest son in the parable? Did he go to the banquet? We don't know. Yeah, we can be like the older son. We can be like the younger son. Yes, we can be like the younger son who goes away and and lives in, in sinful passions. We can be like the older son, vigorously keeping God's commands, yet really have no love and joy here in the Father's house. And yet the Father reaches out to the older son. In tender love, he says, my child. Yes, he reaches out to the older son like he reaches out to the younger son. For the Father desires to have both sons in the households. He pleads with the older one, But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Really, brother, we have to rejoice when lost sinners are found, when dead children of our father come back to life. And what's more, my oldest son, you are the heir. All of this is yours. You are always with me. What more do you want? You have it all. The great riches of your father are all yours. And with these words, yes, the father removes the possibility that he loves the younger more. Now the father has unlimited love for both of his sons. Oh, they may thank themselves to be slaves. But our father wants us to be sons. As we can make ourselves slaves. But he calls us sons. For in Jesus Christ we are restored to sonship. We are children of God by adoption through grace for Christ's sake. Let us truly live as beloved sons and daughters of our Father. And let us together as the household of our Heavenly Father. Accept one another in love. As he accepted us. And welcomes us home. And seats us at his table. And let us around this one family table celebrate then our forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Amen.